seven minutes after 10 o'clock. And uh, it is President's Day, Brian. Got a favorite president? Uh, Ronald Reagan. Of all time. How about yeah, of all think, time? Well, I mean, I can't judge George Washington. <laughs> well, you, well, you know, he had Like slaves. you. <laughs> yeah, he had oh, yeah. yeah, I knew him. Yeah, I knew him personally. Set yourself up for that one. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I would say in my lifetime, it would be Ronald Reagan. And every time I do this, uh, libertarians send me messages about his spending. And they're right. He, he did. Uh, however, uh, it is his message that resonated. Yeah, it's just the way he communicated. He and felt. his willingness to say, you know, we don't really belong in Lebanon. Uh, this was a mistake. Everybody right. get the hell out. Uh, a couple of things that he did uh, that I don't like, but a lot of things that he did that I do like. Uh, I don't have a problem with a strong national defense. Uh, I think uh, he was probably the most effective communicator of small government advocacy, and I, I, I like the guy. Uh, and I worked for him. I was a Republican back then. I was one of the, believe it or not, I know, Brian, you're not going to believe this, but it's true. There was, I was one of the young Republicans <laughs> for Reagan. Yeah, I don't believe that yeah. at all. <laughs> I was the old codger Republicans right, for yeah. Reagan? Yeah. No, no, no. Um, but it's President's Day, so who is the best president of your lifetime? You want to throw in on that? Uh, we'll do a, a, it's a lightning kind of a survey. It doesn't count for anything, just for fun. Who do you think is the best president of your lifetime? You're not going with Biden today, huh? No, no, I, I think I, I, I think he's uh, somewhere near the bottom of the list. <laughs> Who's the best president? 800-529-5572 or 874-9390. Who's the best president of your lifetime? I feel sorry for... Anybody who was born like in 1999 or 2000, because uh, they, <laughs> they don't have a lot of choices there. But who's the best president of your lifetime? Give me a, give me a call or, or send me a message at GaryNolan.com. Uh, we're talking about Donald Trump's uh, huge, uh, you know, 350 million plus uh, judgment that he has to go up with the money for. And somebody sent me a message that they have a GoFundMe for for Donald Trump. And he sent me a link. And so far they've raised just shy of a half million dollars with 9,000 donations. You know, you know how we talk about the national debt and how difficult it is to conceive of $34 trillion? Think of this. Over 9,000 people donated money to this GoFundMe account, and they only came up with $455,000. It's not easy to come up with that kind of money. It's, it's quite a challenge. This ought to put it in perspective. But they are. They've come up with a, with a GoFundMe to help uh, President Trump uh, in his legal bills. Uh, and let me see. What is it? Uh, F... Geez, I don't know if I... Maybe I should just uh, put this up on the Facebook page. You know, they could. would they put me in Facebook hell if I did that? I don't think so. Facebook jail? Maybe a few years from now they will. <laughs> yeah, they're not real fast on no, the No, they're not. No, no. they uh, sometimes choose things that you put up years before, and then they punish you. Is this the voice of experience? Yes, it is. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. 
Yeah. Jeez. I put up a meme about socialism, of all things, years ago. And I woke up one morning, came in, and it's like you are currently uh, not allowed to post for, you know, a week or something. It's like, whoa, what did I do? I don't even remember posting. <laughs> it was a meme from several years before. It was uh, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, not surprising. So when they started pushing these battery-powered cars, you know, Tesla did a great job marketing. They were the only place you could go, and they, and they were uh, pretty profitable. Then uh, the Biden EPA gets in there and really pushes hard for battery-powered cars. And, well, they, they're not acknowledging that they came up with a mandate for them. But what they did is they made impossible mileage uh, projections for internal combustion engines. So luckily, you can have a gasoline-powered car, but you got to get like 200 miles per gallon. Well, you can't do that, so you have to go to the battery park. I said the technology wasn't there. It wasn't, by the way, 200 miles per gallon. I just used that as an example to, to show you what they were doing. But that promoted uh, the battery-powered cars. And when that happened, suddenly everybody thought, oh, we're going to have to come up with lithium and nickel and all the things that go into these battery-powered cars. And a lot of places looked at it as an investment. Wow, they, they, they took off. Every progressive and a few conservatives bought these battery-powered vehicles. They're going to sell like hotcakes. They're going to need more lithium. They're going to need more nickel. Let's start investing in, in those mines. The problem is the market got saturated very quickly. And now battery-powered cars have, like, already peaked. Nobody wants the damn things. Even the administration just admitted this. They're now backing off their EPA damage uh, uh, demands. Biden's EPA is backing down because they say there's not enough infrastructure and, and not enough... Uh, what? You they know, didn't have infrastructure in place before they started this venture? Yeah, no. I, I'm... I'm well, no, never mind. I'm not yeah. shocked. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, so they, they start making all these uh, promises and investments because they think these battery-powered cars are going to just sell through, uh, you know, like hotcakes. A Wall Street Journal, when the world's most valuable lithium company last year announced plans for a $1.3 billion plant in South Carolina, the officials hailed it as transformative. The high-tech uh, project uh, from Charlotte, North Carolina-based Albemarle uh, was designed to process different sources of lithium, uh, including from recycled batteries, and serve as a supplier of the uh, critical mineral uh, for South Carolina's burgeoning electric vehicle industry. Less than a year later, the plans have been hobbled. It's a crash in battery metal prices undercut by a slowdown in electric vehicle sales growth in the United States and China. They have deferred spending on the project uh, amid a company-wide cost-cutting that includes layoffs and delays to other investments as well. Producers of lithium and nickel, and that's what's used in these uh, lithium-ion batteries uh, in battery-powered vehicles, 
have been stalling projects and closing mines to save cash after a quick fall in the commodity prices. Lithium prices are down as much as 90% since the start of last year. Nickel has roughly uh, been cut in half. They were, they were throwing all this money at these EVs, thinking at, at these minerals, thinking these EVs were going to sell like hotcakes. And it turns out, no, not so much. Nope. And it's not just here. Swiss mining and trading giant named Glencore said production would be suspended at an unprofitable nickel mine and processing plant near New Caledonia, a French island group in the Pacific that provides more than 6% of the world's supply. They're looking for a buyer for their stake in the operation. Nobody wants them. Uh, let me go to uh, Chris on the EVs. Chris, uh, I, I'm betting you have uh, uh, two of these at least, EVs. Uh, no. No? The, uh, the only EV I get is a cordless drill. <laughs> They're pretty nice. Uh, you know, I was thinking you were talking about the price of nickel dropping, and coincidentally, the, the price of the nickel in your pocket isn't worth what it used to be either. I just wanted to throw that in. Different kind of nickel, but values dropping there, too. This electric car deal, it was funny, I was just uh, decided to rant a little on a Facebook post uh, on this topic this morning, and somebody posted an article about how airports, I'm sure with some government subsidy money, are continuing to install electric car chargers. Because, of course, that's the coming wave because, uh, like I said, there's probably a little money pushing that, uh, making sure it happens. Yet they're on the wrong curve at the wrong time, and they're taking up parking spots, which they all need, and putting in more chargers because, well, you know, we planned it two or three years ago. You know how that works in the government world. And I was kind of pointing out that's been my complaint all along. They're going to come out whatever year this all started. We're going to build a state-of-the-art 2018 charging system across the company, the country, and probably by about 2030, they'll get it done, and about next year, they'll start doing something different. There'll be different kinds of chargers, different kinds of voltages, hydrogen cars, whatever. They're always, yep. the government's always behind the curve. You know, I don't mind if you invest in those things, because if you screw up, you suffer the consequence. Correct. But when, when the government invests in those kinds of things, I get burned. It's my tax dollars. And, and I pointed it out in my post. was you know, they're, they're subsidizing this with our money because they always seem to think this government money is some kind of manna from heaven, you know. And they, We've watched this happen in the past, but, I mean, if you think about it, if we had let the government run everything and make decisions, you know, you'd be still talking on a five-pound phone. You'd probably be watching Betamax on your tube-type TV because somebody in Washington decided this is, this is the technology we need. You know, and why, yep. who wants those kooky cell phones, you know? Yep. They, well, they actually came out with cell phones. You know when they were created? Way back. In the, in the 1950s. Yeah. But the government got, got in the way. Yeah. <laughs> Too big to carry around at that time. <laughs> kind of like the uh, original walkie-talkie. You, you know? could put them in you your phone. World War II movies. You know, guys got you a 10-pound walkie-talkie. <laughs> you could put them in your car. Uh, they they had uh, oh, yeah. the technology. I, mean, I remember mobile phones in cars. I used to see those occasionally. They used to have the actual radio phone, but yeah, uh, only I, the Richie Rich had those. All right. Chris, thank see you. Right. I'm glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Uh, do, do you remember when they had uh, the the first uh, version of a phone, a car phone? I do, yes. You and I, I both had one. 
It was something like uh, <laughs> calling in a missile strike. <laughs> well, one of those no, bag a, phones. The, uh, the, the true story, I'll tell you about a buddy of mine, Mike Exner. Uh, I'll tell you the story in uh, just a couple of minutes. You're listening to The Gary Nolan Show. It's the Zimmer Radio Network. 1023. Glad to have you with us. Uh, we're talking about uh, the old, in the old days, uh, if, for those of you who were born in the late 90s, uh, you're, you're not familiar with this, but <clears throat> in the old days, if you had a car phone, if you actually had a telephone in your car, you were really wealthy uh, because they were very expensive, very bulky. And uh, I had been, um, I, I was, my parents had this rental property on the, on the west side of Cleveland. <laughs> and at the time, you couldn't own your own phone. This is when the government protected AT&T, gave them a, a government-protected monopoly. Well, somebody moved out and left the phone on the wall, and my mother said, can we use that at our house? And I said, yeah. She said, well, bring it. So I took it off the wall, and I cut the wire. So you imagine this wall phone with about a six-inch pigtail just hanging down, a piece of wire that I cut off. And my buddy Mike Exner and I are driving, uh, driving home. And my parents had a big Oldsmobile, and there is a car next to us and a couple of girls in the car. So I tell Mike, watch this, and I pick up the handset. I leave the phone on the, on the seat of the car, and I pick up the handset like I'm Mr. Important <laughs> talking on the phone. And I glance out of the corner of my eye, and the, and the girl in the passenger seat saw it and she's and I could tell they're gesticulating they're talking about who is this that's got this big car and the phone and he's so we we pull away and we get to the next light and I'm doing the same routine and I look over and these girls are in hysterics I mean they are laughing like there's I, I, I can't figure out what the hell's going on and I look over at Mike and Mike is holding the rest of the phone, <laughs> rest of the phone up so they can see it with that little pigtail hanging down where I cut the cord. <laughs> like, oh, Mike, oh, buddy, ruined it. Yeah, uh, but yeah, cell phones uh, were actually created much, much earlier, but the government regulations got in the way, and that's why we didn't have them. Uh, let's see. Drew says, uh, I'd have to say Clinton, if we're being honest. Talking about who was the best president of your lifetime. Uh, Clinton. Uh, I was not a fan of his. Um, Gary, are you going to discuss the mayor of Kansas City calling Governor Parson racist because the governor referred to the kids who did last week's shooting as thugs? Well, I wasn't going to, but if Governor Parson is right once in a while, we ought to pat him on the back. He deserves that. I enjoy your show, and I thought I'd share, when you have time, look at the JET, J-E-T, uh, facility outside Oxford. Uh, fusion technology is what we need to be putting our resources in, uh, not wind or solar. I agree with that. Wind and solar are ridiculous. Ronald Reagan was by far the best president of my lifetime, says Terry. On my first day of first grade in Rockwell, Texas, we learned to duck and cover and close our eyes because if you see the flash, it'll melt your eyeballs. A little over 30 years later, Polish priest, a British housewife, 
and a retired actor, saved us from that threat. He also fixed the Nixon-Carter economy in his spare, in his spare time. <laughs> oh, that's amusing, in his spare time. Do you remember those, uh, you know, those uh, in case of a nuclear attack, dive under the desk? Oh, I do, yes. What was, the point of, what was the point of all that? Did they not know? They had to know that if a thermal nuclear device went off, uh, over the city that you Hiding were living under in. a desk isn't going to do you much good. It's just where to find your ashes. Right. Uh, the th- part that I couldn't understand is that all the teachers were walking around like nothing was, there was no problem, but all the kids were, you know, fetal position underneath <laughs> your desk. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, they're walking around. Are they immune from this? Or <laughs> Yeah, I can remember the, the, when the... Uh, the Nixon, the Nixon, the uh, the missile crisis in in Cuba. I was in I think fifth grade or something, and I can remember walking home with my buddy uh, uh, Doug McHale, uh, and we were talking about this. I mean, we were all we were certain we were going to get nuked, and that's because the Russians were putting missiles at our back door, and that was our response. It was the blockade. And then negotiating with Khrushchev. Sound like is sound familiar at all? Where a country gets upset that another country is going to put uh, nuclear weapons at their back door? Sounds familiar to me. Sounds like Russia. And don't get me wrong; I'm not suggesting by any means that Russia is not a bad. You know, they're not bad actors. Putin et al. They are, but. We really uh, kind of exacerbated that problem. We were talking about battery-powered cars, and Brian, I got good news for you. Oh, fantastic. Good news. Apparently, uh, they have found a way to reuse a very significant portion of the cobalt used in these batteries. Uh, This is a breakthrough. Uh, They've experimented with different uh, types of materials... Uh, trying to make the EV batteries, their storage and recycling more efficient. But now, there's a breakthrough. A team uh, from uh, Sweden uh, at the university, the uh, Indian Institute of Technology, uh, Madras, uh, India, uh, and, and they've been working on this. And they have found this one rather ubiquitous substance somehow aids in recycling the uh, the batteries. Uh, in, in particular, uh, they can uh, well save us a ton of money on cobalt, which is a very dangerous product to mine. I know you're in, on the edge of your chair, and you want to know what this uh, remarkable product is, uh, but I'm not telling you just yet. I will tell you. <laughs> In just uh, a couple of minutes, and 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 you'll be excited because you can actually help, Brian. You can help, and and you want to help, don't you? I do. Yes. Yeah, I th- I thought so. All right, a little more green energy uh, information because uh, apparently a lot of people are pulling out. Big money is leaving green energy. We'll tell you more about that next on the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show. 1035, glad to have you with us. It's 
amazing. You know, I didn't intend to spend this much time on uh, green energy and uh, all that nonsense. But there are so many stories today, I I couldn't turn it down. Uh, Cobalt is uh, the mineral. It's very hard to to mine. It's very dangerous. China kind of has the corner on the market, and they've been using uh, kids in third world countries uh, to mine it. So if you could just recycle what we have... Uh, we would have a little bit less of that mining going on, uh, which would be good for the uh, the health of those kids. Uh, and they have found that there is, uh, well, there's an efficient way, supposedly, uh, to recycle those uh, rare minerals. Uh, it's the most unexpected substance yet. Apparently, urine. Uh, the new method, uh, which scientists described in a study published uh, in a couple of uh, uh, journals on uh, battery recycling, uh, process uh, extract valuable metals used in lithium-ion batteries, it uses a liquid solvent derived from urine. They say that it uh, is able to recover a whopping 97% of the cobalt from a battery, uh, all while relying on harmless chemicals and much less energy than the current process wouldn't you just love to live next door to the plant that's collecting the urine or what about when one of those tractor trailers get in an accident and that spills Woo! (laughs) Uh, that's going to devalue some property value (laughs) don't mind me I'm just recycling here (laughs) you just Helping the battery industry. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> yeah, the combination of readily available, relatively harmless, uh, harmless substances uh, and uh, high energy eff- uh, efficacy it gives our method potential to work on a large-scale extraction. Will they have donation stations? <laughs> you know, in the parks? I imagine in very progressive cities like Los Angeles and San Francisco, uh, New York, Boston, uh, places like that. They Columbia. made, huh? Columbia. Yeah, Columbia, yeah. They'd, they'd jump on that too, wouldn't they? Yeah, uh, we're, we're collect to save the planet. <laughs> wow. That's, that's just desperate. That's just desperate. Finally, uh, according to uh, Reuters, J.P. Morgan, uh, State Street, they've decided to quit working with uh, Climate Action 100+. They decided this on Thursday. At the same time, they write BlackRock, the world's largest investment manager, transferred its membership in Climate Action 100 to its international arm. According to the New York Times, the decision, uh, a total hit worth $14 trillion dollars to Climate Action 100 Plus. Uh, it's a coalition that aims to use its environmental, social, and corporate governance metrics, ESG, if you will, in corporate woke uh, shorthand, to decide what money goes where in the investment world. You know, I knew BlackRock was doing this uh, and, and a couple of others. But what they're saying is, you know, you give them money to invest and they'll, they'll just invest in woke corporations. Well, now they're not. Now they're not. I'm, I'm rather uh, uh, glad they're not because I would think they would be held financially liable 
they're supposed to uh, and have a fiduciary responsibility to invest the money where it gets the greater return. But they're they're pulling out, and it's literally worth trillions of dollars. According to the Washington Times, J.P. Morgan and State Street cited uh, a, a demand announced by Climate Action 100 last year that it wanted members to disclose more details about their investment decisions. In other words, they were tightening the reins on some of the wealthiest, most powerful corporations in the world to try to force them into ever greater compliance with a green agenda. And these groups said, nope, we are done. We are out. It will cost them a ton of money. That's good for the truth. That's good for the truth because they won't have the money to lie. Uh, or pervert the marketplace. When will the left wake up? Hard to know. Uh, let's go to uh, Jackson. Uh, good morning and be careful, Jackson. The topic is uh, sensitive on the, uh, on the on the radio. Yeah, but one of the main ways that porta potties and that kind of businesses for uh, uh, remote uh, uh, yes, yes, they they, they deposit uh, restrooms uh, at uh, events where they wouldn't normally have restrooms. Yeah, and that's one of the main ways they make their money is from the urine that they sell to uh, chemical companies. Yeah, well, I'm just, you know, if they're going to do this for uh, all the battery-powered cars that they want to create, they're going to need a lot of help, and I don't think that's going to be enough to do it. Well, but it's interesting that they make money doing that. I didn't know they that uh, they were recycling it. Yeah, evidently they do it enough that they make most of their profits from that. Who who to believe there's the You know what? There are people out there selling their blood. They could be out there selling their weed. Uh, it would be so much easier. You don't even have to have a, you know, a hole stuck in you. All right, uh, Jackson, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you bet. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. Just imagine, Brian, if, if instead of selling your blood, right, and then you don't have to worry. You could donate, you know, two, three times a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, in fact, uh, you could use that as an excuse to drink more beer. <laughs> I want to want to donate to save the environment, so I'll just go ahead and drink another six pack. Woo! That's a it's an interesting idea. Uh, 874-9390, toll-free, 800-529-5572, or GaryNolan.com. We are asking the question, uh, who's the best president of your lifetime? Uh, in the meantime, uh, there is a story at MSN.com. It's what it's like to be non-binary and have a feminine body. Uh, and there's a picture of this uh, this woman who says she's non-binary, and uh, she uh, she is she's been blessed. I'll just say that she's been blessed. Uh, guys undoubtedly stare at the girls when she walks by uh, because they are huge, and she says she's non-binary, and she's offended when somebody says "ma'am" or or "miss." It just uh, it just breaks her heart. I'm non-binary. I came to terms with this recently after living socially as a woman for many years. Because you imbecile, you are a woman. 
That's why you've been living as a woman. You have uh, female genitalia and uh, milk-producing mammary glands. You are a woman. Uh, She said that um, when she was smaller and flat-chested, she remembers being cast in a school play as an ambiguously gendered character. Uh, When in character, the male lead uh, of the play consistently gendered me as he. That's what she's complaining about this. When she was prepubescent, playing the role of a male or or nonspecific, the other actor in the play kept referring to her as he. And she was... She was correcting him. This kid was wrong. Then puberty hit and assigned me, she says, with a very special task of looking after two giant sacks of flesh, fat, and membrane. What what is the matter with these women? Holy moly, what is the matter with these people? So she's nowadays, uh, I use they, them pronouns, and I try to let people know that up front. But a funny thing tends to happen when people look at me. You see their eyes always trend downward, scoping out what you might call the traditional feminine body that I live in. You might, you might call it my massive boobs, she writes. Well, that's because you're a woman, you idiot. Did I did I overstate the uh, no? I don't think obvious? so. Uh-uh. No. Okay. Just one. So, if check. you wanted to address this person and didn't know this person and was a complete stranger, you can't say "sir" and you can't say "ma'am." What is the correct? I I would say uh, you could look at uh, this hey, person you. and say, uh, "Boy, uh, let me talk to that boob over there." <laughs> uh, because that's, I mean, in fact, that should be her nickname, Boobs. <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying. All right, let me go to Sharon. Sharon, good morning. Gary, I heard on the local news last night that the city council this evening is supposed to be voting whether or not to make Columbia a sanctuary city yeah. for the LGBT to protect their rights. You know what that's going to lead to? Then it then will be a sanctuary city to take in... You know, the illegals. The people in Columbia don't have any say-so about this? Well, the people in Columbia elected these representatives to be their city council persons. And my guess, guess, Sharon, is the majority of them are in favor of this. These are young (laughs) young progressives that are voting for these kids, for these uh, city council people. Well, what what are they supposed to be protected from? They're doing it for their protection of their rights. I mean, what? from you, Sharon, they're protecting oh themselves from you. You are a threat to them. Oh, they need okay. protection. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you see what All looks right. like a traditional woman uh, with uh, traditional female uh, uh, accoutrements, and you would say that she's a she. They need to protect themselves from people like you because you do that. But does that mean uh, that we could get in trouble if we use the wrong pronoun? No, it doesn't. You know what it means, Sharon? It means, gee, aren't we showing you how liberal we are? 
That's all it means. Well, they're, well, they're liberal, all right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Sharon. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. I, it, as far as I can tell, it, this uh, if you're in Springfield, you're probably not keenly aware of the stupidity of the city council in Columbia. But they have decided that we are a, an LGBTQ uh, safe city, sanctuary city. I'll, I'll talk about it in, a, in just a minute on the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. All right, it's uh, 10.53. Glad to have you with us. Uh, apparently, uh, people of Politico think that uh, the investment people are destroying the newspaper industry. I assure you it is not them. Uh, that's uh, a topic we will uh, get to. City Council vote on uh, partnerships with uh, MU Truman School of Government. Yeah, that's who I want teaching kids about government. Uh, this whole, uh, uh, for those of you in uh, Springfield, uh, Jeff City, you may, uh, may not be aware of this, but this uh, sanctuary city for LGBTQ doesn't really mean anything. It just says, here are our bona fides. We are, we are a progressive city. Uh, and, uh, we're within our power, you know, we would prosecute, uh, anybody who disagrees with us about the LGBTQ community, particularly the transgenders. Um, uh, this, uh, this is just insulting, if you ask me. It's just insulting. But it, 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 it far as I can tell, Brian, and, you know, we could check with Mike Murphy, uh, it, but as far as I can tell, there is no impact to this. It just yeah, I don't understand what they're you know worried yeah, it's just, about. It's, it's just their yeah, just a getting safe their, space from what? Yeah, look, I don't care what your sex is or how you identify. If somebody uh, harms you, I mean, they physically grab you or or harm you. There's already laws in place to protect everyone from that. Yep. Do we need a protected class in order to... Oh, the, the punishment's going to be much worse. Yeah, the, it'll be... Uh, it's like just, a hate crime or something. Yeah, hate crimes. Don't get me started on that stupidity. All right, let's move on. Let's grab a couple of calls here. James is on the line. Good morning. Hey, good morning to you. Say, listen, um, you know, when you give a certain group of people in society specific rights that you can, you don't afford to others... You discriminate against everybody else, I feel. And uh, with the transgender people, uh, they have pronouns they go by. But when I, I worked in a place where I had to deal with transgender people, and I would I would get their attention, I would get their eye, eye contact, you know. I get their attention by, I would get their attention by looking at them, you know. And uh, I'd ask them their name and... Uh, then I address them by their name, because yeah, uh, I don't subscribe to the, you know, that's their delusion, not mine. Yep, that's right. You don't have to. You don't have to play along. James, thank you for the no. call. Glad to have you in the Gary Nolan Show. Earlier in the program, I was talking about the uh, the uh, uh, paid holiday for President's Day and federal officials. I uh, got a long message uh, from Michael uh, listening to us uh, down in uh, Springfield. I listen to your show every morning, appreciate you and your content. I have uh, to pick a bone with you about your picking on federal employees this morning. I agree. I agree. Probably should not be paid holiday for those who are federal employees. But everyone has equal opportunity to become a federal employee 
Instead of whining and complaining, folks could seek federal employment. Well, the problem with that, uh, first, Michael, is the people, more people the federal government hires, the more people the federal government has to pay, including for days off. And every time they do that, it adds to the debt and it's inflationary. And even the federal government has a limit as to how many people they can hire. Let us not forget, the federal government doesn't produce wealth at any level. They don't produce any; They just redistribute it. Uh, Michael goes on to say, just tired of the federal employees being the target of a lot of undeserved bashing. Not saying this is the case today. Most federal folks I know try to provide value to taxpayers, hardworking, conscientious folks. A good many are veterans and or retired military. A good many work rotating shifts and 12-hour-plus days that destroy the body over time. Brian? Brian, have you worked 12-hour days? Uh, yes, I have. Uh, do you feel that you have been destroyed by it? Uh, no, sir. Just checking, because if you're a government employee... Oh, yeah, well, that's different. 12-plus-hour uh, days oh, destroy yeah. the body over time. Um, Pretty much. Four hours yeah. is all I could take if I was a government employee. Yeah, you don't want to push the envelope. No. Here, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyhow, my point stands, he says, instead of whining and complaining, folks can seek federal employment. Regardless of whether we agree, thanks for your program on KWTO. I appreciate the intelligent, thought-provoking program that you present. If people actively listen, it really does provide pause. Uh, for thought slash reason uh, so lacking in society today. Thought-provoking. Well, there you go, Michael. Uh, no, we can't all go to work for the government. Who would produce the money to pay the people who work for the government if we all went to work for the government? I'm just saying. <laughs> that, that'd be a challenge, wouldn't it? Oh, uh, Lord. All right, 874-9390, toll-free, 800-529-5572. I don't know, Brian, how to bring up the story in Toronto. Maybe we, we're going to have to... Maybe <laughs> yeah. we'll have to pass on this. We may have to. Uh, but I might be able... I might be able to work it out in such a way that it doesn't get anybody in trouble. <laughs> um, Good luck, pal. <laughs> you have so little faith in me. Lord... Uh, all right, and well, I didn't bring this one to the table. So no, don't blame the, me. This is the first ugly story that you did not bring to the table. But it is ugly, and we'll share it with you next on the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show.